You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. My name is Kirk Barron and I have one goal here to find the best educators in all the world to bring you great information to help you create a better practice and a better life. And part of that is you have to start thinking better about your role and how you help patients. And today I bring on one of my favorite of all time, Dr. Uchi Odiatu. And we talk about what your patient's gut health is telling you. It's amazing. I love this guy. He makes my life better every time we talk. And I hope it has the same impact on you guys. So listen up. I know you'll enjoy it. And we'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. And you know the jam around here. I get the best thinkers, speakers, influencers anywhere in this great profession of dentistry. And our job is to interview them and gain wisdom so that you guys can go back and create a better practice and a better life. And today I have one of my all-time favorites, Dr. Uchi Odiatu. And we're going to be talking about what your patient's gut health is telling you, Ooch, thanks for being here, brother. I really appreciate you. Hey, always a pleasure. Love sharing. Uh, my colleagues are dear to my heart. Uh, when I'm talking about my passion, other than, you know, enamel and uh, all these other conservative restorations, um, gut health is my next thing. It's hard to believe gut health could be a hobby, but we all have one. You, yeah. you may as well talk about your chassis as your hobby. So here I am. That's awesome. And I'm always grateful that you're here because. Um, and I've had you introduce yourself so many times, but I'm going to just introduce you this time. And I'm going to say this, this guy is pure electric. He is one of the best people you'll ever see in this great profession. So if you haven't seen Uchi speak, you got to do it. If you have a study club and you haven't had Uchi speak, what are you thinking? Um, just go and see, and he's going to make you feel better, think better. And today I even got my kombucha did I, I hope I said that right. I got my yeah, apple skins at home. Like I'm, li- I'm listening. I'm not the best student ever, but I'm listening. But uh, let's talk about, you know, the gut health thing. If I, you know, talk about where we are on the map with gut health and um, dental care providers. Okay. Well, the science is still new. Uh, the National Institute of Health has finished the third phase. Uh, we've got, you know, the genome, the genome project in the 90s helped that 
but it didn't actually come to a lot of uh, interesting uh, deductions because uh, every gene has up to 35,000 different ways it can express itself. So, but they use that data and they've been able to study the bacteria inside you and me. There's about 42 trillion single-celled organisms in you and I. Uh, the neat thing is though, you and I share, you know, we, have, we, have, we each have 21,000 protein coding genes, but the bacteria, the sheer numbers and the different species, there's up to 10 to 20 trillion uh, genes in us. Their genetic footprint is 100 times bigger than us. So it's a neat way to look at health. And if dentists and hygienists ignore it, you're going to often be confused as to why patients aren't responding to your soft tissue management because gut is intimately connected with the immune system and the ability to heal and being anti-inflammatory. So that's what I said. So gut is powerful. But a lot of it's amorphous. This information is coming out and people are trying to understand it. So here I am trying to make sense of it for people and realize it's if you want to be current, you got to know about the microbiome because your patients are reading about it every night. Right. And so being in dentistry, I mean, where do I even start bringing this up to patients? So, you know, number one, I probably have to understand it most importantly as a, as a dental care provider. But like, how do you how do you talk about this with patients? How do you introduce the subject? Well, it's, it can't talk the whole time. Like, you know, a recare exam, a recall exam, you get about two, three minutes. New patient exam, maybe 20, 30 minutes. But when I talk about diet, when I talk about sleep, when I talk about stress, and I talk about inactivity, um, I'll mention this work about the gut or good flora. And the average Joe thinks, it's, oh, I take a probiotic. There's much more to the gut health than taking a probiotic. Just like there's more to health than popping a vitamin pill. Uh, the gut health is elusive, it's amorphous. You've got to think of how these gut flora became a part of us. You know, when we're born, uh, basically we're born in a very, in, a, in the placenta, the womb is very sterile. When the baby comes through the birth canal, that's your first introduction to the microbiome. And you basically get to your mom's or the mother's microbiome. However, you're born by C-section. C-section babies, which is about one out of three kids, one out of three patients born now, um, they get more of a skin microbiome. They get more staph bacteria than lactobacillus and bifidum. And it takes about seven years for a C-section delivered baby to catch up to a vaginally delivered baby. So back in, you know, 40 years ago, only one in 25 kids were born by C-section. Now it's one in three. So when you talk about one in three, you're thinking of a 30% of our patients are now born without good, diverse, stable biome. And they do suffer from it. You know, the Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology has shown how they're more likely to have asthma, more likely to have uh, metabolic syndrome, more likely to have food sensitivities. So there's a lot of things going on that, um, and this all might sound, you know, as a dentist, how, how am I supposed to know these things? Well, we know now that if people don't manage blood sugar well, guess what? They also probably have likely had to have more bleeding, bleeding right. upon probing, loss of attachment. You know, diabetics, you know, lose teeth twice or three times as much as a person who doesn't have diabetes. So this is where the conversation goes, but it's really important to almost have a, a working knowledge and you got to read the books. You got to listen to the podcasts. Uh, you can't be scared about it because, you know, these patients are Googling biome and gut and, uh, and kombucha and kimchi. To give you an example of how much kimchi impacts you, like they, there's about nine different fermented foods. So in South Korea, they, the average adult eats 35 kilograms of kimchi a year, 35 kilograms of kimchi a year. And that's how much cheese the average North American eats a year, 35 wow. kilograms of cheese in the year. They <laughs> so kimchi, because it's, it's very fermented, it's 20 times got more probiotic uh, qualities 
than other fermented foods like yogurt and uh, fruit and vegetables. So when you look at the obesity rate in South Korea, it's about 10%. The obesity rate in North America is 35%. So if you start looking at fermented foods and probiotic foods, you realize how it impacts metabolism and immunity and how you look. So I bring that these things in, in eclectically when I talk, but ultimately you gotta look current. You can't just think gut conversations start with a probiotic. There's much more to it. Like the mouth is the gateway. And the number one way to change, to have a healthy gut is to change what you're eating. And who's in charge of the eating apparatus? The dental industry. So we are perfectly poised. There's never been a better time to talk gut health because we are in charge of the entrance to the GI tract. It all starts here. Yeah. So could you hypothetically say, you know, you could reverse some dental challenges, you know, some by taking care of gut health that would make natural sense in doing that. So you become, and I also think, I mean, this is my own personal standpoint. I'm a big fan of this industry. If you guys already know, like this is a very noble, there's nobody better positioned in the world to really help human beings, not just from an oral health standpoint, but to really change the world. And so when you start thinking of it on a little bit bigger capacity, it's pretty amazing the impact we can have on people, don't you think? Yeah, uh, patients are starving because most uh, specialties in medicine, there's 13 specialties in dentistry. We, we look at it, we are in silos. Like, you know, I'm an endocrinologist, I'm a cardiologist, I'm a psychiatrist. Anytime you look at it eclectically, you talk head to toe, you seem like a Renaissance kind of hygienist or a Renaissance dentist. And basically, you know, I, I like going to Dr. Oyati, man. He talks whole body health. I like mm-hmm. why I come in here. I don't understand everything he says, but I believe he looks at all of me, not just my gingiva or just the lateral border of my tongue. You know, right. the people talk about sleep dentistry booming. Uh, the gut's been there since day one. Uh, no, sleep dentistry is important, but man, it all starts here. Hippocrates said, let food be your medicine and medicine be your food. And Hippocrates also said, all disease begins in the gut. All disease begins to gut. And he said that 2,300 years ago. And now he realized with the information about gut health, it's true. Because these bacteria are the big pr- promoters. They produce short-chain fatty acids. So, so right now, Kurt, if, if, you're, if you're a bacteria were, were fermenting fiber, which they love, and you were eating about 30 grams a day as a man, 35 grams a day, your body is pumping out short-chain fatty acids. And they are the most anti-inflammatory agent your body makes. And every hygienist knows Inflammation is key. You know, back in JADA, you know, 2009, they said a lot of the destruction in periodontal disease comes from a hyperinflamed host, a host that goes overboard, you know, a weak immune system, you know, burning out and causing bleeding and creating lots of, you know, osteoclasts that are breaking down bone. Well, if your body has enough fiber and you're fermenting it and making short chain fatty acids, you now have a big bucket of water, anti inflammation, and you can douse the flames easier. Uh, so anyone who's eating fiber, anyone who's eating 30 grams a day for men, 25 a day for women, they can actually douse the flames of inflammation. They have less likely chance of almost every modern disease, including gingivitis and periodontal disease. So this is the clincher. The gateway starts here. And if and right now they're saying that 90 to 95% of North Americans aren't eating enough fiber. So they literally have all these fires in their body and they cannot douse the flames so if your bacteria aren't getting fermenting fiber, what happens is they can't ferment, they can't douse the flames of inflammation. So a joint hurts, hair hurts, uh, cognitive irritation, uh, gut inflammation, uh, psoriasis, eczema, ankylosing spondylitis, gingivitis, periodontal disease, all because the body is unable to make short chain fatty acids. And the, this, this body is incredible. It has its own pharmacy. 
but you got to give it the fuel. And that's where food comes in. You know, let food right. be your medicine and medicine be your food. Right. And so I'm, I'm going to introduce this. I'm going to go off the rails a little bit. I'm a real guy. I, I love my wife. I love my family and we are pizza addicts, you know? And so I don't eat pizza every day of the week, but I'll say one day a week, we're going to eat some really good pizza. We're going to find the best pizza ever. And I don't even know if this is appropriate to say, like there's sometimes I know it's not good for my gut health. And so I'll grab a kombucha as a, as an anti-inflammatory after the fact, instead of like Pepto-Bismol. Is that helpful, even from, from the real guy standpoint, or not so much? Uh, to acknowledge the fact that and, uh, Dr. Paul Tenenbauer, uh, uh, PhD in uh, immunology, said if you are going to eat a meal that's debauchery, if you have a cheat meal, again, pizza once a week is one, is, is, is 21 meals a week. Yeah. It's basically one of the 21. So it's not so bad, one out of 21. But if you give your bacteria what they want, they'll let you have your cheat meal. But if you just have a big meat meal with a lot of saturated fat, and processed food, and you don't get what they want, they will slow down digestion. You'll have gas, you'll have constipation, you'll have inflammation. But you have a salad with your big steak. You have two sides, you know, broccolini and, and asparagus or, mush or mushrooms. Now you make your bacteria happy. But if you're not getting, so you, you, you help them. So the kombucha is a fermented food. There's nine of them, right? Apple cider vinegar, there's cheese, there's uh, kefir, there's sauerkraut, there's pickles. There's kimchi, okay? But so you, you, give, you give your body a couple of fermented foods a day, and now you're giving them what they want, and now I'll let you digest that food. I won't yeah. give you as much gas. I'll, you, I'll douse the flames of inflammation <laughs> around your joint. So it's like a tag team, back and forth. So pizza once a week, but if you want to make your own pizza, you can have a gluten-free bread, you can have a right. whole grain bread. You can put real cheese on, feta cheese, goat cheese, instead of just that spray-on orange cheese. Uh, you can put hormone-free meat. You can get uh, uh, meat. That's, uh, you can get chicken, free-range chicken. Yeah. You can put broccoli on a pizza. Much of broccoli on a pizza is taboo for you. Yeah. You can put uh, 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 peppers. You can put olives. You know, these. Uh, you can make a pizza healthy. There's no. It's not debauchery if you if you make your own. Okay, so as you guys could already hear, like Uch is my own personal, you know, therapist on a lot of these things. Okay, gluten-free crust, cal uh, you know, cauliflower crust. Give us your thoughts. Uh, and those are fine. You know, only one out of 100 people are, are celiac. Or, some people are gluten intolerant, but they're not gluten allergic. So celiacs are definitely allergic to gluten. A lot of people just eat poor quality bread. Right. So when people say, oh, I don't do gluten, eat better, better quality bread, whole grain sprouted bread. Sourdough bread is very much uh, gut friendly. Sourdough, it's a different kind of yeast, right? So it's, different, it's a different way that, that bread is made. So sourdough is gut friendly. Rye bread is gut friendly. Whole grain, 100% whole grain bread is gut friendly. White bread, you know, the white bread that you can bake into a snowball, not very gut friendly. But for most Americans, guess what? That snowball, that white bread is, is about is two to four grams a day for the average American. But again, very highly processed. So one of the best ways to stay healthy, this is from Justin Senebaum. Justin Senebaum is a microbiologist out of California. Uh, processed food is our, is our downfall. The more processed food we eat, the more processed food the patient eats, the highly likelihood they're going to have an inflamed gut and then chronic levels of inflammation, things that don't heal well. Peri-implantitis, you know, we're so good at putting out the fire and having good integration around the implant, but we don't talk a patient out. You know, you, you do an implant on a shift worker, you do an implant on a sedentary person, you do an implant on a person who's depressed. Uh, one of the periodontists I heard lecture at the Dental Economics Conference last year in Nashville with uh, Dr. Pam. Um, he was saying that you'd be surprised how people who take antidepressants have a 6% higher chance of uh, 
of uh, not accepting that implant as much as who doesn't take antidepressants just because depression is an inflammatory condition. They have higher levels of C-reactive protein. Wow. So um, start looking at the bigger picture. You know, stop just thinking A and B and C. Like there's much more to the body than just like one plus two. There's many ways of looking at it. The body's always synergistic in how it responds to what we do. Yeah. So let's go back to our patients. How bad is the bacteria inside of us and our patients? How bad? Well, most of them are good. You know, 98% of bacteria in us are good. There's bacteria, there's archaea, there's eukaryotes. There's, everyone knows about H. pylori, but not all the H. pylori are bad. There's about three different strains. Only one causes a problem. The other two don't always cause a problem. E. coli, there's about 20 or more different strains of E. coli. They all live inside us. C. difficile is always hanging out. It's like the hell's angels in the parking lot called our gut. But guess what? If you don't have a good, a lot of good beneficial flora, now they, now they get more parking spots. And as soon as C. difficile gets more parking spots, guess what? Now you got to acquire the party. So what happens is you got to really feed the good ones and starve the bad ones. Don't make the gut so friendly to that. You know, so that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then how many, well, you mentioned that, but how many are there? total. Um, like, trillions. You know, there's 42 trillion single-celled organisms in us. Wow. Uh, the, same, the same amount of cells in the, in, of human origin in the body. But 85% of our human cells, though, don't have nucleus and they don't have, they don't have bacteria. So that's why they, that the gut bacteria actually outnumber the human origin 10 to 1. But species-wise, it's sheer dominance. So we have 21,000 human coding genes. You and I have 21,000 genes. But the sheer collective genetic footprint of the 10 to 20,000 species inside you is a up to 100 million genes. So who runs the show? Like think of the primordial soup. So I think of the earth is 4.6 billion years old. I took my son Theo to the, to the museum downtown in, uh, in, in Toronto and we looked at the dinosaur museum. We looked at the age of the earth and all this. So the earth is 4.6 billion years old. There was zero life for a billion years. So about three and a half billion years ago, bacteria formed. These same bacteria are living inside us. A lot of immunologists and microbiologists joke around. We could be just the walking vehicles for bacteria to survive. Because when you're living, they're your friend. But when you die, within three days, your body decomposes by the same bacteria that helps you live. So when the body decomposes, that's your bacteria now chowing down on you. Wow. So, so think about it. They're ruthless. So most of us treat our bacteria bad our whole lives, starving of bacteria not getting good sleep, not being physically active, poorly managed stress. So now you die, three days later, you are, the decomposing started. And it's the same bacteria that live. People always think, oh, the bacteria comes from flies. No, it comes from the bacteria inside us. They're a friend, but now they're your foe. Yeah, that's wild. Now, you had mentioned this earlier. Go back to this, the oral microbiome. We're talking about gut health, but take us one level up to the oral okay. microbiome. Okay, I love that question. We think of the GI tract, it starts here and ends at the butt, right? So there's you know, up to about 26, 28 feet of it. Uh, that being said, so the gut flora starts here. There's about 700 species in the mouth, 700 species of bacteria in the mouth. Again, most of them beneficial. Most bacteria in your mouth are part of your friends. Uh, so many dentists though, don't know what's going on inside. You know, we kind of know the bacteria that often uh, that produces or, or ferments uh, and breaks down uh, sugar and, and causes decay. We know that. But the other bacteria, we haven't all analyzed them yet. They're almost, they're so amorphous, it's hard to fully understand. So that's why when people get an imbalance, all of a sudden you get candida, you get thrush, you get a white tongue. So if I get someone coming in at 50, 55, 60 with, with oral thrush, I know that candida albicans is overgrowing. 
but we have it in our mouths all the time. But when your beneficial flora is high and there's good sleep and good immune system, the body can keep candida at bay. But when someone's gone through a recent bout of antibiotics or multiple bouts of antibiotics, if someone has stress or if someone has dry mouth or if someone doesn't sleep very well, now they have candida and that's, it manifests as like millions, if not trillions of bacteria multiplying and you get this white coating, which yeah. is basically the candida setting up condos on your tongue. It just means that that's a body out of balance. Wow. And dry mouth sets that up. Dry mouth sets up the mouth out of balance. The minute the mouth is dry, someone's not gonna digest, digest food as well. So when you think about digestion, people always think it starts in the stomach. But if someone has a dry mouth, and think about it, they said two thirds of all prescription and over-the-counter medication cause dry mouth, two thirds. Um, as we get older, 55, 60 plus, dry mouth. People who mouth breathe, dry mouth. People who are anxious, think of all this post-pandemic stress, dry mouth. So if you're chewing food with a dry mouth because of stress, age, anxiety, and side effects of maybe three, four, five medications. Now I'm not even gonna start the breakdown process. The digestion starts in the mouth. Actually, I can really say it starts when you're thinking about the food, but when, if, you're not, if you have a dry mouth, you start swallowing that food without being uh, touched with all the saliva to bring into a liquid form. You don't have all the enzymes. And now the stomach has to work harder to, to digest the food and absorb it. So you can eat a great diet, but with dry mouth, now you can have nutritional deficiencies. That's why a lot of doctors don't understand, hey, your diet looks good. I wonder why you have, you're lacking B12 or you're lacking this nutrient. Well, what happens is you're, not, you're chewing your food too fast in a dry mouth because you're anxious and you're, not, you're sleep deprived or you're mouth breathing. Now you're sending down food only partially broken down. Now the body, can only, the body is a miracle, but it can't work magic. And right. now you become nutritionally deficient simply because of a dry mouth. And that's why I, when I see a patient with dry mouth, I call that the sign of accelerated aging. I want to get their attention, accelerated aging. What can I do? What can I do? Well, you've got to start getting your nose breathing. How are you sleeping? So all these conversations start with the dentist and hygienist. You've got to start talking this talk of total body health. And how as a dentist, I can talk dry mouth and digestion and absorption and slowing down the aging process. Just, just by having a fully functioning, fully restored mouth. I can actually help slow down aging. You know why? Because when you have a fully restored mouth with good saliva and good TMJ, now you can break down food and literally you have healthier lungs, heart, liver, and brain. So it starts with us. Like this is, this is where dentists have to start taking ownership. We are oral physicians. We are physicians of the mouth. I'm not, I'll just do veneers. I'm physicians of the mouth. You know, I'm looking at the big picture. Let's see your meds. Let's, let's talk about shift work, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's frightening when you start to think about the, you know, the tentacles of this whole process. You and I text frequently, and I told you this, one of the biggest challenges I hear constantly is the burnout and the mental health challenges. It is now very, very high on the dental, you know, dentist list of challenges that they have. And so, you know, you and I, when we talk about this, you're like gut health, has a huge role in burnout. And can you explain that? Well, people think of burnout as stress. I'm imagining stress well, people are taking antidepressants. However, um, you think of the gut, think of the bacteria as your, which are traveling with us from birth to grave, right? Um, they don't have a brain, but they have a consciousness. So when someone is stressed, mouth breathing, when someone is stressed, poor sleep, when someone is stressed, eating comfort foods, when someone is stressed, muscular tension, your bacteria that don't have a brain have a consciousness. They sense you not moving. They sense the dry mouth. They sense the lack of nitric oxide. They sense the lack of rest. So what happens is when your bacteria senses, uh, digestion slows. Because anytime you're in fight or flight or angry or upset or frustrated or irritated looking at the news, the body thinks 
they put all the energy into present moment because there is no gradient to stress. It's all or nothing. So when you're angry, looking back at the guy honking the horn, you're watching the news, looking at CNN, you know, looking at Fox and all this stuff, what happens is your body goes into high alert, into the present moment. It puts digestion on hold. So digestion slows. Anytime you're anxious, digestion slows down. The minute digestion slows down, your body can no longer repair, recover, and grow. That's why stress can literally make you shorter. They talk about, there's three reasons why kids will often not be as tall as other kids. So 80% is genetic, family, but three, three negative impacts on childhood health is stress, in, infection, and food quality. So 20% of your kid's height is the amount of stress they had in that childhood home, um, how, how much immune system challenges, how sick they were, and the quality of the food. That's 20% is a big, big impact. It's one or two inches. So, right. um, and again, it's the bacteria. You know, these bacteria have a part to play. They help you digest the food. So, anyway, so digestion slows for one. Two, sleep quality goes down. So when you're stressed out, sleep quality goes down. And your bacteria, they don't know light or dark, but they do know when you're horizontal. And some bacteria are most awake when you're dreaming. Some, many bacteria are very awake when you're dreaming. And dreaming is what, they, what sleep scientists said now is when your body processes emotion and processes memory. So when people are stressed, right? They, they, they grab, they literally grab the, the emotional dirt from today and drag it into tomorrow because they're not sleeping well. So people who sleep well dream 100 minutes a night on average. 100 minutes a night allows you to process memory and process emotion. So when you're sleeping well, what happens is you can actually dilute or wash out the sadness from today. So you start tomorrow morning with a clean bill of health. But stress makes you dream less. It makes you uh, spend less time sleep. The sleep quality goes down. But the bacteria know that, you know, that, that's part of that. So anyway, go on. I, I want to make sure I don't uh, interrupt your flow here because, you know, you're you're asking good questions. I love it. I love it. I, I could easily take this and make this an hour long show because I have so many thoughts. And I do want to go back to having these conversations with patients. You know, what are your patients gut health telling you? So take me through the basics. Ooch, I'm listening. Okay. I'm a dentist. I've never talked to my patients about this. Give me some, you know, some simple guidelines on how I start introducing this conversation. One easy takeaway is the avalanche of evidence to show how plants and eating vegetables is healthy for you. So when you have a new patient exam or a recare exam, hey, how's your food habits coming along? Do you eat vegetables? I hate vegetables. Right away, I know they're going to be fiber deficient. You could say recent research, or I heard it on the best practices show, or the latest out of the National Institute of Health. Just say the National Institute of Health yeah. has shown how your bacteria feed on fiber. Fiber is the unsung hero of diets. People talk about protein and essential fats, and fiber is basically carbohydrate. So fiber gets a bad reputation. Oh, I'm low carb. Someone's low carb, they're low in fiber. Someone's low carb, they're low in fiber. So fiber is a good carb. So people say, oh, I do low carb. Hey, you're gonna be low in fiber. So I'm thinking an inflammation in your body. But anyway, as a dentist, I'm thinking teeth, I'm thinking breakdown. I said, you know what, you have an unrestored arch. If I can get you back to full arch, if I can get back to you to good chewing function again, I can have you digestion and absorbing nutrients better. In order to do chew and digest and, or, and uh, absorb fiber well, you need to have a good arch. Anytime you're eating fiber and your body can break it down, now your bacteria, which only have, the bacteria have a foundational relationship with fiber. All they want is 25 grams a day for women, 30, 35 grams a day for men. If your bacteria is being starved, they start the process of a weaker immune system. So you want a stronger immune system. Now that you got the patient's intrigued, they're thinking, wow, my last dentist, all she wanted to do was veneers. You're talking whole body health. You know, my son has to come see you. My spouse is gonna come see you. 
So you start the process going, you let the patient go, there's much more to it. I'll see with the re- more, I'll, I'll see with the re- your recall exam. Now they're looking forward to seeing you. Like right. say, doc, every time I come in, I, so give them a little bit, don't overload them. Cause you, you know, I have a six hour gut health program I give to dentists. So you can't exhaust that in two minutes. But what you do like Dr. Oz does, hey, right back after the show, I'll be back with you. Three things you gotta know to extend your life. But I'll tell you at the recare exam, Doc, when, when am I coming back? When, when can I come back? Now I intrigue them and think, wow, every time I come here, I, I, I learn something new. So it, it, you, you titillate them. You know, you talk about, you know, I want to tell you a book you have to read, but we'll do that in your next recare. You got to make them fun. You know, as much as your office could be beautiful, you got all the latest Sirac and the Itero, start talking the language of health. Total body mm-hmm. health is very attractive. And gut health is on every parent's mind. You know, you, you, moms come in, you, you talk gut health, right away they lean in, hey, gut health, why are you talking gut health? You're a pediatric dentist or you're a hygienist. Why are you talking about, well, you need good teeth to break down the fiber. Did you know that women need 25 grams a day and men need 30 grams a day? Never heard of that before. Someone's 40, 50, 60 years old, haven't heard that people are starving their bacteria of fiber. In order to have good health, you can't have it unless you're eating enough fiber. I've never heard this before. What does fiber do? Well, the body makes anti-inflammatory compounds and it can start not only putting out the fire in your child's mouth, it can put out the fire elsewhere. Oh my God, I had no idea. Uh, someone told me that cancer is an inflammatory condition. Yeah, anytime you, your body's make, pumping out short chain fatty acids, your body now has the, the buckets of water to douse the flames of inflammation everywhere in the liver, in the brain, in the arteries. So you see how, so you gotta engage people. They're not gonna fully understand it. This is almost a PhD. The National Institute of Health has been around for you know decades. So this science is new, but you're intrigued, engage the patient, get them in. And they think, all they're gonna know is doc, I don't fully understand. I'm in the right place. I'll see you in three months. Can't wait to see you in three months. Yeah. Get the whole team talking health. You know, get the whole team talking about it. Yeah. Go back to the team part. Okay. So, Ooch, I'm totally picking up what you're putting down, but I have five hygienists. How do I start this journey in changing our philosophy or just getting them engaged in the conversation? Any tips on that? I have a, have a study club with, with, a, with a book. Have a book club. You know, there's some really good books in the microbiome health that are great. Have a book club. And most people don't read. People buy the books. They don't read past the first chapter. So what you get is get, tell them to download the audio. As a dentist, pay for it. Pay for the five hygienists. Download on your audiobook somehow. It's $24, $25. But they start undying, understanding the language of gut health and nutrition. Now you've got an empowered team. Now you've got a team on the cutting edge. They can run the cutting edge clinically. They've got to be the cutting edge talking the talk. You know, people talk, oh, I'm on an antibiotic right now for a UTI. And you think, oh, antibiotics, you know, actually cause destabilization of your gut health. I might see a little bit more inflammation in your mouth today. Never heard that before. Have you heard about a probiotic? Probiotics have been shown scientifically to re-cause stability in your GI tract after a seven to 10 day course of antibiotics. And I I take them myself, so it's 30 to 60 days. So you start reading books on it and you have a book club and you know, do one book a month. You could have a a, a kick butt team of people understanding the gut health more than the average medical doctor. Right. And hygienists are perfect for this. You know, hygienists do about 30 hours of nutrition. They're perfectly set up to talk about nutrition, fiber, gut health, and now they can support you doing more crowns. As a dentist, now, because hygienists love it when the dentist talks prevention. Usually we're talking, you know, crowns, implants, but you start saying, uh, filling that edential space allows you to chew better, which is breaking down food and allows you to eat an anti-inflammatory diet. Now the hygienist goes, hey, she's talking diet. I like this person. I'm gonna set this up for them to restore that arch so they can chew and digest food better and eat that fiber. How many grams a day for women? 25. How many for men? 30. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. And you're going to continue to hear things about diseases that are on the rise, and they're not going away. You've got IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, uh, IBD, which is inflammatory bowel disease. you got all these things that, like, everybody, and it's very serious stuff. And you're like, well, I'm a dental care provider. Well, this is a great opportunity just to introduce the conversation. It's kind of like the inflammation thing years ago. We used to say, oh, it could be, it might be linked, and now we know it's linked, don't you think? Oh, for sure. Inflammation is a C player in almost 90% of all modern diseases, from cancer, diabetes, heart disease, stroke, cognitive diseases. You know, David Perlmutter said basically Parkinson's and Alzheimer's is a lifetime of chronic inflammation. So, you know, we talk about P. gingivalis now in the mouth and making sure it doesn't make its way to the brain. Uh, all kinds of people talking, but they're talking about these little bacteria. You got to talk big picture. You know, you really can't have a good, healthy mouth without a healthy diet. But that whole idea of looking at diet as being the key way to manage your gut health. So you talk about probiotics, you know, talk about getting tested, you know, this American Gut Project. You know, Viome is a company out of uh, Washington that has done some great stuff in testing at home. You know, they have an intelligence test, they have a gut health test. You know, there's an investment. However, there's ways to actually, people can identify. Like if you and I had this testing, we could actually see how much healthy flora do I have? Do I have a healthy flora of a healthy, you know, 40, 56 year old person? Or do I have a, a gut floor of a, a senior? So if a healthy floor of a gut senior, what's the best way to turn it around? Change your diet, add a probiotic, manage stress, get to bed on time. So how can I be healthier? I don't know. But the best way is to get tested. Like, you know, how do you know where my perio condition is? You've got to do perio charting, perio probing. Well, many people might need a test. There's tests now, fecal smear, blood test. You send it away. You've got to have a good company to make sure these results aren't spread around, right? You got to make sure there's, because a lot of the free tests, you know, where is the information going, you know? Right. So you got to spend a certain amount of money to have a good quality company to make sure your results stay private. Because if you got the gut health of someone who's more likely to have autoimmune disease, they're thinking cancer, diabetes, ankylosing spondylitis. Do you want insurance companies to know this stuff? So you got to have a very secure locked in portal to make sure that your gut test is locked in and only you and that company knows and it's private, it's yours. Because yeah. your gut health is like a fingerprint. People are depressed have different gut health than someone who doesn't have depressed. People who are athletic have different gut health than someone who's not athletic. So and I know I've intrigued a lot of people. And the whole idea is, is, to, is to get people engaged and thinking other than just flossing and brushing. It's right. much more to it, you know? Yeah. So. And as you guys can hear, this is why I love hanging around with Ooch. You know, there's two types of dentists in this world. There are dentists that fix teeth and there are dentists that change lives. It's not the same business. Mm -hmm. And my hope is if you're listening to stuff like this, you think bigger than just teeth or aesthetics or how many crowns, like we're changing people's lives. And so, Uch, I'm so grateful. I get so inspired to think better, to do better when I'm with you. And I want to talk about where you're going to be next. Like you're everywhere. I I can't go to a conference without seeing you. Like where, where's Uchi going to be next? And uh, how do I find out more about Uchi if I've never seen you before? I'm probably most active on Instagram, on, on LinkedIn. If they look at my first and last name on LinkedIn or Instagram, they can find me. I've posted 6,000 times, not as much as Kim Kardashian, but about 100 <laughs> times less than Kim K. But so uh, next week I'm in, I'm doing a surgical study club in Massachusetts. I think it's called Holyoke, Massachusetts. About 100 people. I think it's an all team. You know, people like all team programs. To, to have the dentist learn separately than the hygienist, the team needs to learn the same stuff. You can't come back all excited about something and the team goes, what are you talking about? So. I love whole team learning. So this is going to be a whole team study club. Uh, Friday, I'm in Wisconsin. I think I, I'm in Milwaukee for crying out loud. At the Renaissance in, on Friday. Really? I I, this Friday? I'm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. No, no, okay. uh, the 14th. 
Okay, the fourteenth. I'm out of town. The Darn the it. Renaissance Hotel. Okay, but I'm, okay. In, I'm in your I'm in your neck of the woods. So, um, state meetings, study clubs. I'm around. I, you know, six hours really gets information key. As you can see, thirty minutes is kind of a nice way to introduce a subject, but a full day to be completely immersed and come away with you know a, a to do list, a book list, a reading list, and some resources is a great way to go. But Matt, I can't tell you how busy it can be once you start talking whole body health. Patients are starving for us to look at outside our silo. I'm a periodontist. You got to know about nutrition. Right. I'm a prosthodontist. You got to know about nutrition. I'm a hygienist. You better not apologize for thinking it's outside your scope of practice. You got to know food. You got to know fiber beyond essential fats and macros. You know, we can actually help get patients lean. Lean people have different gut health than someone who is, is obese, which is basically 30% of the population. We have different bacteria. So the minute you start getting the bacteria of a lean person, you can start losing weight by encouraging the beneficial flora of a lean person. Kristen Sinella, Akamansia. I know it sounds like I just sneezed, but those are the bacteria of a lean person. You gotta, you gotta make, the, make, make your body attractive for lean beneficial flora. Ooch, you're the best. Any last thoughts you have on how, you know, how we can see better gut health for our patients and what their gut health is telling us? Uh, start realizing there's much more to it than taking a probiotic. Even I'm, I'm a big fan of probiotics, but start reading about it, looking at it. D don't poo-poo when patients ask you. When you give an antibiotic, uh, as we give an antibiotic, just start thinking. Uh, you're causing it. Sure, you're taking care of the, the cellulitis, the pericarditis, but start thinking, I've disturbed the beneficial flora up to 60 days. So start saying, hey, I, I think a probiotic is a good idea. Ask a pharmacist if you don't seem confident in it. But... You know, a generic probiotic, you know, taken over the counter, not a bad idea. If they're not confident, ask the pharmacist or start learning more or talk to me. You know, I don't mind sharing what I take, but start talking probiotic health every time you get out a prescription. A lot of dentists write prescriptions, but if you don't know how disturbing they are and how destabilizing they are for beneficial flora, some of these bacteria take up to two years to come back. So if someone's on antibiotics one, two, three times a year, the bacteria is always exhausted. It's always swimming upstream. So if you want to help your your, the beneficial flora, a probiotic is a perfect, sorry, I love my analogy. So you have your patient swimming upstream, getting exhausted by, by amoxicillin or penicillin. The clindamycin is deadly for, for, for the stomach flora. You know, C. difficile overgrowth, pathogenic flora, like the broom, broom, broom. They're like parking their bikes and all the empty parking spots caused by the, by the amoxicillin penicillin that you're taking. So they cause open spaces. And if you're eating crappy food or poor quality food, guess what? Those uh, pathogenic flora, back up their, their bad boys and they make the Sam's home, set up a little tent city there. And now you got set up for perfect storm for an inflammatory condition or autoimmune disease. Man, this, I'm getting excited. I, I, I need to take notes of what I'm saying because uh, I realize how pervasive and how far reaching some of this information is. It's, it's, it's powerful stuff, powerful yeah. stuff. I totally agree. And I think you're only scratching the surface here. So um, I'm going to encourage you guys, if you're listening and you're not taking notes, don't worry. We're taking notes for you. You can flip up to the notes and Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, whatever you listen to this podcast in, and you're going to see all the notes that Uchi and I talked about. I'm also going to put in Uchi's uh, links to his social media. I'm just going to encourage you to check it out. It is so much fun. I just love watching where you're at, what you're doing. And uh, even through your social media posts, I'm like, I got to do better today. So uh it's awesome. So, Uch, I am always grateful. So, thank you for being on, buddy. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. As always, great questions. Love the energy. Love the synergy. It's good. My, my biome is happy right now. They're kind of percolating <laughs> nicely in my, in my GI tract. 
buddy, you're the best. So stick around when we say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed today, which I know you did, just do us a favor, hit the share button, share this with your friends. We love this stuff so much that I'm going to spend the rest of my working professional life just finding the best speakers in all of dentistry to share great information so you guys can have better practice and better life. So until we hear from you guys next time or you see us next time, keep watching or keep listening to the best practices show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.